God's spoken and he's promised revival. He said he's going to bring it and called us to pray for it. And so little old us has been praying for and thinking about revival. That's been the the subject of our messages on and off through the fall focus in, in, in our preparation. And I just want to say to you before I bring this message that um, as I prepare these messages, and particularly this week, I've been thinking to myself about what does it feel like to, to hear a call to pray for and to focus on revival when you're struggling? You know, what does that feel like if you're in a place of grief or if some in our community are struggling with depression, some are struggling with a lot of physical pain, and, you know, it's, it's, it's hard just to get up and, and get going into the day when you're dealing with phys- a lot of physical pain. Um, sometimes when you're in a place of hardship or difficulty, whether it's physically or emotionally, um, it's, it's hard to just cope with your own life, isn't it? And if we're honest with ourselves, we're not thinking very often or first and foremost about revival. And so I just want to, I want to name that, but bring them together and say, why is it, how is it that we can be in a place of um, hardship or difficulty or even pain and still set our hearts on revival thinking about others and how can how can that work together in a way that's good and beautiful and not overwhelming and i want to name it it's this revival is nothing more than an increase of the presence and the activity of god the presence and the dynamic work or activity of god and when you're in an environment where revival's happening you benefit you gain from it. We were all made for the presence of God. So what the Bible says to us in the beginning, we were made for his presence. We were not meant to be removed from it. In the end, his presence will be the light and the glory of the city, the kingdom to come. In the middle, he's given us his spirit, and he's called us to embody and to pray for that kingdom to come, which is human hearts and lives coming in to to relationship with God, getting restored. And when he's doing that work, when he's drawing people, when he's restoring, when he's moving with love and power, we benefit. So the the easiest way for me to describe that is my dad's dying. I'm in pain. But I find that when I turn to the Lord, draw hope and strength from him, I've got something to give even in my pain. And as I give, I receive. As I minister, I get blessed because the Lord's working. Wherever the Lord's working, we reap a benefit. One of the images I sometimes use, it, it might seem a little strange, is, uh, you know, the scripture talks about uh, rivers of living water coming out of us. So I think of myself as kind of a hose. I'm the conduit. Jesus is the water. But the hose gets to experience the water that's flowing through it. So you've got living water flowing out of you. You've got something good to bring. You get to taste of it, right? I'm not a, a static object like a piece of uh, 
a green hose, I'm, I'm alive. So I get to taste the living water that's flowing. So I just want to encourage us that um, revival, no matter where we are, as we all set our affections and our prayers and our minds on the revival that God wants to bring, God has something for us in it. And we don't have to be where we're not. Uh, we can be ourselves in this place and still set our hearts on it as a church family together. Okay? So let, that being said, let me just say what God's said to us the last three weeks in our messages. He said, first of all, three weeks ago, he said, don't be lacking in spiritual zeal, but keep a fire burning in your spirit. Keep a fire burning. Keep your spiritual zeal as you serve the Lord. And we said the fire is love. Love. And then two weeks ago, the Lord said, this was his, as Israel prepared to enter the land, and as we prepare to enter the inheritance that God has promised us what was God's strategy for kingdom fruitfulness he said listen obey and love me with all that you are so keep a fire burning in your spirit stay close to me listen to me obey love me with all that you are and then last week the Lord said uh, I want to uh, recalibrate your expectations around my presence and my power. Remember we said, if you haven't experienced revival in a large scale, you're not set to expect it because it doesn't line up with what you've experienced. But God said, I haven't changed. I've been bringing revival from the beginning. It's what I do. And we, we've tracked with him through the old, we looked at the Old Testament a little bit at Jesus and a brief story of revival. And so God said, I want, you to, I want you to have your minds renewed. I want you to recalibrate your thinking. I am a God who revives. I restore. And that's what you're praying for and expecting. So this morning, the Lord's going to give us a real simple prayer that I believe he's going to call us to pray together as a congregation. And especially as we enter into the new year. So turn with me to Psalm 67. And let's read this together. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the people praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples justly, and you guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest fruitfulness. And God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. I want to open with a story, and um, I want to uh, tell you before I share this story that Sarah has given me permission to share it. So Sarah, uh, if you don't know, she's my daughter. She's about 14 and a half, and this story takes place about 10 or so years ago when she was somewhere, somewhere in the neighborhood of three, four, four years old. We were having a discipline interaction, very rare for Sarah, but... 
It was a discipline interaction. She was being corrected, and I can picture it like yesterday. It wasn't going very well. Uh, she was very upset, and she was down on her haunches up against the wall in the living room, and she had her index finger in her mouth, and she was crying really hard. You know when, they, when kids start to qui- cry so hard they're quivering like... <laughs> She was doing one of those, and then all of a sudden she looked up at me and she said, Daddy, I need grace. I need grace. Oh, my heart melted, and I rushed over and I said, Of course, Sarah, come here, enveloped her in my arms. And, and grace she received. And I was, of course, I was so eager to give her grace because we had taught her about grace and we had told her to ask for grace. And so here was an opportunity to turn teaching into experience of not only this is what I hope to be like as your dad, but this is what your heavenly father is like. Okay. What Sarah experienced or what we experienced together in that moment is the exact same thing that God does with us. He tells us to pray for things that he then intends to do or to answer in order to bless us to reveal his nature, to show us what he's like. So this past week I was reading in my personal devotions the book of Joel, and I was blown away. It's, if you get the opportunity, it's always um, helpful to read large chunks because then you see um, things that transpire or movements that happen. So I'm reading a book, short book, four chapters, and the first chapter and a half are just absolute doom and destruction that are being prophesied to Israel. And then there's this like 180 degree turn where God abruptly stops prophesying the doom and destruction. And he says, now, here's what I want you to do. Rend your hearts, not your garments. Turn to me with your whole hearts And pray this prayer. And even tells him what to pray. And then God says, when you pray this way, here's what I'll do. And he then starts to talk about the ways that he's going to answer the prayer that he's told them to pray. He's going to bless them really richly. And then he says, and after these things... So your repentance, your prayers, my answering, after these things, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your young men will dream dreams. Your old men will, will see visions. Uh, your young, young and old men and women, even the servants, will prophesy. You know that, that famous uh, prophecy that Peter stands up and he quotes in Acts 2. So think about this. From God's perspective, he starts with the desire of his heart to pour out his spirit on all flesh, to to have a move of the Holy Spirit that affects the nations. 
with the grace of Jesus, and he moves backwards to this obstinate, rebellious people, and he tells them, this is how we're going to get there. This is how we're going to get from a place of nothing's happening, you're broken, you're rebellion, you're obstinate, all the way to the gospels going to the nations. He scripts it out for them. He says, you're going to pray this way, and I'm going to respond this way. It's beautiful. And that's, that, that's, that, that's exactly what the Lord is doing in this psalm, too, which I believe he's giving us and specifically calling for us to pray this way right now. He lifted it up for me in the last three or four weeks, and I felt like I was reading, again, in my personal devotions, and I felt like the Lord just said, this, pray this way uh, at Gold Avenue Church. So uh, how's God doing that in this scripture passage? You look again at verse 1, and it says, May God be gracious to us, May God give us gifts that we don't deserve. May God bless us. May God make his face shine on us. What does that mean? Uh, the, sa- the word for face is, is also pr- the same word for presence. So God, may God increase his presence among us or Face shine could be, may God show favor to us. And then in the end, it talks about the land yielding its harvest. So when God does this, there's a fruitfulness that happens. Okay. But notice this. He doesn't say, God, would you give us gifts we don't deserve? Would you bless us? And would you increase your presence among us or show your favor to us so we can just really enjoy you, although that's a wonderful thing. He says, God, would you do these things so that your ways might be known on the earth and your salvation? And the word he uses here is Yeshua. That's the word for Jesus. So you're, you're Yeshua among all nations. In other words, God, when you give us gifts that we don't deserve, when you show your favor, when you make us fruitful, when you bless us, it reveals what you're like to the world. So... Think about some of the things that we are or could be praying for. I'll just I'll just share with you I'll, as by, by way of example. What are some of the things that I'm specifically asking the Lord for? And and how do, how would they reveal God's nature to the world? Um, I'm thanking God for the deep love and unity that exists in this congregation, and I'm asking Him to take it deeper. I'm asking him to mark us with such a deep love for one another that people come in and say, there's something supernatural about this, this church family. This, the world doesn't act this way. The world doesn't treat each other this way. You lay down your lives for each other. You give to each other. You 
um, care for one another in, in such a way that is so deep and so beautiful. You are so marked by love. What is that? And we get to say, oh, that's God. He's, he's put his love in our hearts. He's, he's filled us with this desire to, to, um, to love and care for one another this way. I'm asking the Lord, Lord, would you mark our young people for the gospel? From our youngest children all the way up through high school and our early college students, would you set a fire in the heart of every young person in this congregation for Jesus Christ? Would you bring revival so that in among our young people, so that there isn't one young person here who doesn't passionately love Jesus Christ, that every single one of them is completely unashamed of the gospel and knows how to share the love of Jesus with friends and classmates wherever they are, with neighbors wherever they are. And part of why I'm praying that way is not just because it's a good thing to pray, but because God's spoken that he wants to do that. He's given dreams and he's given visions. He's given Heather one or two dreams that she shared. He gave Anne a dream of revival breaking out among our young people. And so when God gives stuff like that, it's not so that we can just go, thank you, God. So we can go, God, that's what you want to do. We're going to cooperate with you. We're going to pray. So I'm praying for revival among our young people. You know, the young people are leaving the church in droves all across the nation. Why are they leaving? Because they're not having, they're hearing knowledge, but they're not having personal experiences of the love of God and of the faithfulness of God and of the power and the ability of God to change a heart and a life and to transform it. And so I'm praying, God, mark our young people with the fact that you are real, you're alive, you change hearts and lives. The gospel is powerful. I'm praying for an in-gathering of the lost, that salvation be poured out. Just like um, God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a blessing so that you will be a blessed blessing to all nations. God has blessed us in this place. We are blessed as a church family. We're blessed with what we have with one another. And the Lord does not want it to stop there. He says, now I want to draw people in to the blessing that you have together. And so I'm praying, now, Lord, now bring an um, in-gathering of the lost. Pour out salvation. I'm praying for an increase in the healing ministry of Jesus at work through our congregation. So I'm aware um, of five physical healings that have happened in the last six weeks to members of our congregation that aren't getting shared in testimony time because we're focused on the four themes of love, joy, peace, and hope. But God is healing people as they come up for prayer after the worship service or as teams from our congregation go to people's homes to pray with them. Healing is happening. It's beginning to happen. And when healing happens, when somebody gets touched and a knee that couldn't bend before is all of a sudden pain free, everybody who experiences it goes, oh, God is in this place. God is restoring. God, you're good. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm praying for an increase. And when I pray for this, I, I want you to hear because this is an every morning prayer for me. My specific prayer is, Lord, 
increase your healing, gifting, or anointing upon the Gold Avenue Church congregation so that it partners with the proclamation of the gospel. I want to keep them always together. Okay? Healing as a sign of the restoration that comes in Jesus, drawing people to Jesus. As a part of that, I'm praying for the broader church for a restoration of the rightful place of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and of signs and wonders that accompany the gospel so that we've got a right partnership between word and spirit, love and power. Okay? I'm praying for faith for Gold Avenue Church to move with the Holy Spirit as the Lord leads us forward. Now, um, how would how would each of these reveal the nature of God? It's not so difficult to imagine, right? When God, um, when people love each other, love people that are different, with a, a love that you couldn't muster up on their own. When you when you love an enemy, when you forgive people that are treating you horribly, uh, that's not human. That's divine. That reveals the nature of God. When Young people aren't uh, lukewarm or apathetic or don't just attend church because their parents ask them to attend church, but they come because they want to be here and they want to worship the Lord and they love him. That's a sign and a testimony of a living God to a generation of young people that need to know the Lord. When lost people come to Jesus, like John, who has been here the last couple of weeks, who uh, has come out of a decade of cocaine addiction and who, who God's like completely restoring and calling into street, street evangelism, it's a sign and a testimony to the transformative work of Jesus. When God heals, like we said earlier, we see a living God who performs his word. He says, I am the Lord who healeth thee. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bind up broken hearts, to set captives free. And when people get set free from addiction, when they get set free from sin patterns that are dominating them, when they get set free from unbelief, when they get set free, it's a testimony to the Lord who brings liberty, who defeated Satan at the cross. So the point of each of these isn't the blessings. The point of them is the the way that the blessings reveal to us the nature of God and the presence of God. We're not saying, God, bless us just so we can marinate in your blessings. Though they're good and we thank you for him. We're saying, God, bless us in this place in a special way so that the name of Jesus is magnified. So that the gospel goes forward, so that the light increases it's, it's really easy for us to talk about how dark it is out there. It's really easy to talk about how it's getting darker. 
We don't want to put our focus on how dark it's getting. We want to have our focus on the increase of the light of Jesus in this place. So we're praying, Lord, increase your light. Lord, shine on us in a special way. Lord, act in, in powerful ways that reveal your presence so that the, the light of Jesus grows brighter, so that the gospel bears fruit. The blessings answered draw people to know and worship the living God. The psalmist says, when the land yields its harvest and God blesses us, then all the ends of the earth will reverence him or fear him. Okay. So when we ask for revival, we're asking God, increase your presence, your power, your dynamic activity among us so that there's gospel fruitfulness. And so what I sense is that right now, God's calling us to start the new year, to press in to asking him for increase, increased fruitfulness, for an increase in his presence, his power, and his dynamic activity among us. And he's not asking us to convince him. There's no striving involved in this. This is his idea. Just like it was his idea to Joel and he told him what was going to happen. God's in just inviting us to participate with him because he wants to pour out his Holy Spirit. He wants to draw people to Jesus. And um, I wanted to share with you as I move toward closing uh, a deep encouragement that the Lord brought me this past week as I was preparing I, I finished reading Joshua, and I said, Lord, where might I read next? And immediately, Ezekiel 37 popped into my mind. And I thought, that's kind of strange, but I know what that is. It's the Valley of Dry Bones, right? So beware of thinking that you know what God's going to tell you. I flipped to Ezekiel 37, and what he drew my attention to was not uh, the, the chapter itself, though I read that, but I'm, I'm reading a Messianic uh, Jewish study Bible right now, and it's got wonderful notes in it. And there was this beautiful note about the first fruits of the harvest and how the Jewish people took such delight in the first fruits and dedicating them to the Lord because when he gave them the first fruits and they gave them back to him, it was a promise of the harvest that was to come. And I read it, and out of nowhere, I felt the Holy Spirit impress on my heart, say to me, not in words, I gave you the prophetic promises in 2014, and I gave you the first fruits that year and the year after in the bringing the Tommy Williams to faith in the worship service and the Vic Mitchells to faith and the Mike Forces and the, all the folks from the neighborhood that he brought in. And he said, they were a guarantee of the harvest to come, but you were not ready for the harvest. You were not ready. And I've been spending these years making you ready. Now I want you to pray for the harvest to come. And so I believe the Lord has a specific 
way that he wants to invite us into praying for the harvest. And it's, uh, I've just got a real sense of joy about this. I, I believe he's inviting us to begin 2023 with a season of fasting and praying for harvest together as a congregation. That we would begin with 21 days and that the fast will look different for different ones of us. So um, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to have a, a Daniel fast, which is no meat, no sweets, no alcohol. But some of you are vegans. And so that's not going to be a big deal to give up uh, meat and sweets. And so you might ask the Lord, well, how would you call me to fast? What would you call me to give up? And some of you uh, might want to, like, for example, one person's mentioned to me already, I think what I'd like to do is give up lunch every day and spend that time in prayer and communion with the Lord. Some of you might say, you know what, Um, giving up food's really easy for me. It's not a big deal. But I need to fast from media. I need to get all my eyes off the bad news and I need to fix my eyes on what God is saying and what he's going to do. And I'm going to fast from that. So we all get to determine, and I think we ought to share with one another, and we'll figure out a way to do that. How, are, how am I going to fast? The, again, I want to emphasize, we're not convincing God. We're not striving. We are just posturing ourselves before him. To, we're consecrating ourselves to him to say, Yes, Lord, we hear you saying that now is the season to pray for harvest and we're going to join you. We're going to pray with you. And and I want to close by reminding us of this. Last week, when we talked about the glory of the new covenant, Paul said it far surpasses the glory of the old covenant. It's so much more glorious. And we read that story in the Old Testament where the the. Um, temple had been made ready and Solomon gathered all Israel and they offered sacrifices before the Lord, many of them. And then the fire fell from heaven and the presence of the Lord was so strong that they could only fall on their faces on the pavement and say, he is good. His love endures forever. The principle underneath that is fire falls on sacrifice. Not because we earn, but because it's pleasing to the Lord. And so I believe the Lord's giving a joyful invitation. Come with me. Come with me, little church family. Now is the season. I desire, I desire to pour out my spirit It's going to be a sovereign work of grace, but I'm calling you to pray, calling you to seek my face, calling you forward in faith. Come with me. So I'm going to close by just saying yes to the Lord for us. And um, maybe leave a little space for each of our yeses to him, too. Lord, we hear you calling. And last week you said to us, take your attention off the jars of clay. 
and fix it on the all-surpassing glory. And so we do that again, Lord. We are your servants. We are your vessels. And we want to serve you. And so, Lord, we, we offer you our faith. We hear you saying you desire, you love, and you want, to, in your love, you want to draw people to salvation. You want to draw them into the family of God. You want them to share the love we have. You want to bring healing and restoration. And you're saying to us now, pray, seek my face together. And we, we're hearing you, Lord. And we're saying, we will be obedient. And we're asking you at the same time, Lord, give us grace for that obedience. And give us grace for the prayer. And Lord, I pray for a special grace to do this all together as a family.